to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Well, welcome to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life podcast. I am Julie Graham. And I am Darlene Brock. And do you know what today is, Julie? Well, today is another celebration, which I just kind of love that at This Grit and Grace Life, we're always celebrating personally. Okay, so we can celebrate this one. It is episode 50. We are halfway to 100. Halfway to 100 on this little thing we just on a whim decided to do. <laughs> on a whim, bought <laughs> <Sort of>. microphones, <laughs> tried to figure out what in the world we were doing. But yeah, we did. So we're halfway to the big 100, and we couldn't think of a better way to celebrate than to bring back one of our most requested guests, one of our most frequent guests. So welcome with us to the show for the sixth time, our dear friend, Dr. Zoe Shaw. Hey, Zoe. Hey, the sixth time. Wow, that's so cool. I didn't realize that. Well, I didn't either. I had to look it up. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, I know she's been with us a few times. (laughs) Yeah, we're so glad to have you here, though, and for a subject that we find really important. So the conversation we want to have today, Dr. Zoe, is one that we have had a lot of people ask for, and and on all different fronts, when we ask on social media, what do you want to talk about? When we ask, um, you know, what articles do you want to see us have at the Grit and Grace Project online magazine? What conversations do you want to hear us have on this Grit and Grace life? It always seems to come back at in some way, in some level to the blending of families. And we've noticed recently that one of our most read articles at the website is one of yours. It's you, your man, and his baby mama all need grit and grace. So I don't know if people want to read it because that title is admittedly catchy, says the person who writes the titles, or do yeah. is it because it's just such a felt need these days? Well, I think it's both because the title is catchy because it hits women, especially exactly where our pain point is. And the whole concept, the whole um, construct, I should say, of blended families is, you know, like I said in the article, it's approaching half when it comes to our population. And so it's not an easy thing. Having a family already is tough. It's tough being a mom. It's tough being a wife. It's tough navigating all of that. And when you're doing it with children who are not your biological children, with children who have other parents in the mix, it can be so painful. And it's not just painful for you. And I really want women to hear this because I sit with men who feel so torn, who are literally crying in my room because they feel torn between an ex-wife the mother of their child, and their current wife, who they love dearly. And men don't express Mm -hmm. a lot of the drama that they feel to their wives in the same way that, you know, sometimes they'll express it to me. And so often the reality is the women, you know, the drama, all the drama is with (laughs) the women, but we're not recognizing the effect that it's having on our man. You know, I have had some of my extended family members who have struggled with this. They, you know, they have started a second marriage and in it, it's like they get into the middle of it and look around and go, I am facing challenges I didn't even expect or know how to cope with. So is there a place you go before you get into that marriage? Is there a place, is there something they can do before they ever start the process? Yes. So there's best case scenario and 
best case scenario doesn't always happen. But best case scenario is that you get all parties involved, everybody who is parenting your children, your collective children, and you sit down and you develop a plan. Uh, You know, I think the possibility of taking everyone involved and having family meetings and discussing things seems like the ideal scenario. I would bet money that's probably not the lion's share because there's usually some anger or animosity or hurt jealousy or jealousy or whatever. So, you know, when that's the case, how do you take the next step? What do you do within your nuclear family that you have just created to um, build it healthily, knowing some of the outside influences are going to create havoc? Yeah. Second best case scenario is that you need to develop, like I said, your own nuclear family with traditions, etc. So you need to bring the kids in, all of them, and have, you know, even if it's just 15, 20 minutes where you sit down and you say, okay, family business meeting, everybody brings their stuff to the table, let's talk. So when it comes to jealousy, which you mentioned, which is a big, big, big one, and you have to recognize that jealousy is a top-down thing. So if you, as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, don't have your jealousy in check, then there's no reason that you should expect that any of the little ones mm-hmm. and anybody else in the process is going to have their jealousy in check. Yeah, and that's a really is, good point. Yeah, it's a nap, but jealousy is okay. I have so many people that I'm talking to in blended families and I'll talk about their jealousy and they'll say, I'm not jealous. I'm going to be totally honest. I, I've been married for 25 years. I don't even have a blended family. And I can still feel some jealousy about my husband's ex-girlfriend from, you know, whatever, if something comes <laughs> up. So, and that's normal. It it's is. okay to acknowledge it. Yeah. So I think that whole, that whole concept of jealousy is not only going to be experienced by the children is really kind of a switch in thinking. And so I think you're wise to recommend having, you know, very open and frequent, honest conversations with as many people as you can get to sit at the table, even if it does just come down to you and your man and your new nuclear family. That's really, really helpful. So we've said jealousy is a thing. What's how, how do we handle that? How do we make sure that everyone in the family is getting the attention that they need? Well, like I said, yeah. So jealousy is a thing. Everyone's going to have it and the kids are going to have it. So there's some things that you have to really start out with when it comes to the family. So there's that idea that everybody has to be treated equally. Okay. Well, like any family, you have to treat kids accordingly, but you have to have a set rule for all kids, if that makes sense. So you have to also respect the other parents' rules. So a lot of people feel like, well, you know, if they have this rule at their their house, then I have to bring it here and have it at my house too. No, you don't. Your family is your family and it's a cocoon. And what you need to do is respect the other family's rules. Their rules are not better or worse than yours. And that's hard, hard, hard because we create our rules and we create our set of ways of doing things. And we believe that our way is the right way. And when you communicate that with your child, then you create division and confusion and anxiety in your child because you're telling them that that other home and the way that other home does their rules isn't okay. And they don't know what to believe because they love both. And so when you respect it and say, those are the rules at that house, at your house over there, and these are the rules at our house. And we have these for these reasons and your other, you know, mom, dad, whatever it is, have those for those reasons. And we're going to respect both. 
And then your kid can deal with that. They have different rules at school than they have at home. They have different rules at church, you know, than they have at home. And kids can deal with that when we respect the rules. Taking that to another, a little further place, Zoe, um, Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to generally respect the other family. Well, and to not talk about he did, she did, they did, hurt, this or that, because you you don't want to carry those feelings in your children's minds when they go to the other home. That sounds easier said than done. <laughs> you know what? All of it is easier said than done. So you've got to write it down for yourself. And that's why you need to have weekly meetings with your family, but also weekly meetings with your spouse about this issue specifically. And when whenever I deal with couples, I always say you need to have family business meetings and you need to have date night, right? The date night and family business meetings should never, ever intertwine. Mm. And when you have a blended family, you need to make sure that you are having a meeting specifically about the blending and how that blending is going for at least, you know, the first five, 10 years of this whole process, depending on how young your kids are, Um, because it is, it's not easy. And that's why so many people struggle with it, but it is so doable. And when you get into a healthy practice, it can become easy. Dealing with siblings and their jealousy can be so hard for Mm -hmm. each of the parents because you know, it's also very natural to feel, feel aligned with your own child. And so I encourage uh, blended families to have date nights or individual time with each of the kids that they have. So, you know, if you've got a blended family, he's got three, you've got three or two from other families, you need to be having date nights, not just with your kids, but with your spouse's kids too. individual time that you spend. Now, if you've got six kids, which is a lot, it's going to be hard to do that. You know, who has time for that? But if you can do, you know, one kid every other week, as long as you're getting on a regular schedule of showing some individual attention to that child, you will see results that just kind of are phenomenal. Um, And then it's okay to to also allow your children to identify and embrace their own jealousy with each other. And part of it is just listening Mm. instead of trying to fix it. Because so many times we want to jump in and fix it or tell them they shouldn't feel that way or they have to get along or they have to do, you know, this. Instead, remember, your kids are on this, you know, they've been drug on this passenger train and they didn't have a choice. This is something that you decided that you wanted to do and create for your family, which can be good and amazing and healthy. But you also have to acknowledge their feelings. I guess I should have thought of this a long time ago. It makes perfect sense. But going into a blended family, you have lived with your child from the time they were born. You know their nuances. You know their anger points. You know you know their personality. Well, you're being introduced really to a new human that you don't know that much about and spending time with that spouse's child makes perfect sense because it's it is a relationship building process and an understanding of what this child looks like I love that you said that, Dar, because there's this activity that I read somewhere. I I don't know who to attribute it to um, with blended families. And you made such a great point that you guys are coming in and you don't know the other's history. You haven't lived their lives. And a really fun activity for blended families is to get those. I mean, who has baby books anymore? But to get Mm -hmm. pictures, to get stuff 
from, you know, years back when you guys didn't know each other and have the siblings tell their stories, mm. like the stories they know about, you know, when they were born and little things that they did when they were young so that the siblings can start to get a picture of, you know, what the life was like before. And that helps bonding. It helps connection. It helps you get to know that and talk about family traditions and talk about things that you did and which ones we want to incorporate in this nuclear family, which ones we don't. So excellent, excellent point, Dar. Well, I have one more I want to throw at you, and that is my family name, my family history, like you just talked about, their family name, their family history. You don't want to ask your children to abandon their past. Absolutely not. And embrace something new. So how how do you do both embracing their past and their history and form a new today, a new where are we going? How does our future look, not leaving our identities or our past behind. Right. I you know, I think it's important to make sure that you keep those family pictures up which can sometimes be hard when they include another spouse, you know, an ex-spouse. Um, it's important to continue to talk about that and tell specifically tell your kid we are not losing who we are. We're just blending ourselves and we have an opportunity to share, you know, the great stuff that we have in our family with this new family that's going to be. And it really is about honoring both sets of traditions and the, you know, that each family has. It's okay to have separate things. And that's when, you know, with all healthy relationships, with all healthy systems, you want to look at that Venn diagram. And it is okay to have some individuality as long as you have a good, healthy place of coming together where you guys have connection and commonality. So you don't need to feel like we have to 100% blend and morph. No, you don't, because you guys are separate individuals with with a separate history, but you do have to come together. Wow, that is all really, really helpful. I'm sitting over here crying, just in case, you know, anyone's wondering. So that's okay, though. That's, you know, this is the time of the episode where I silently cry. Um, Really helpful, Zoe. Now, here's, here's one I know that will be a roadblock in the blending of families where kids are involved. How do you handle disciplining the child that's not yours? That one is the question of all time. And it isn't completely, uh, you know, a one answer fits all. Because like I said, the entry point of blended families is different across the board. So first of all, let's talk about that word discipline. Mm -hmm. Discipline comes from the Latin root word disciple, which means to educate. Mm -hmm. And what I know as a family structure, when you're creating a new family structure, is that both people have to be actively involved in the discipline, the education, the modeling for these kids. Now, what most people are really talking about is punishment. And punishment is a whole different thing. And in order to have the privilege to punish a child, you have to have their heart. Otherwise, the punishment will damage, at worst, at best, do nothing. Starting with that, I would say it really depends on how involved the other parent is in the child's life. If you are coming into a situation where maybe, you know, the other parent is dead, the child is very young, the early elementary, um, then that's a whole different situation because then you actually have an opportunity to become the parent. Any other situation you have to recognize that you have to defer to your partner. You are not that child's biological parent, nor should you try to take that role. You have to ultimately respect the biological parent first. 
Now, do you provide discipline and modeling? Absolutely. Do you back up your partner? Without a doubt. But do you punish? No. Um, and it's hard because it, it, when we have two different parenting styles, which we always do, whoever marries somebody that has the exact same parent. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. Those conversations need to be had behind closed doors. There mm. has to be that, just like in any family, there has to be that unity between the parents. You have to focus as a step parent on relationship. You need to build that relationship. You need to spend time with that kid. So that, that kid, there, there's that saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. Well, the knowing that you're trying to give them is your discipline. And until they know that you care and you have their heart, you can't discipline them. But what you can do is start with the relationship. And also, there's a fine line between that because you should not be your stepchild's BFF. Mm-hmm. That's just as unhealthy as trying to be their you know, punisher and you know, total disciplinarian. Both sides of that pendulum are not healthy. You need to be a mentor. You need to be a guide. You need to be a maybe a good, good friend and support. And that would be the healthiest place to be when it comes to, to the discipline. I'm hearing you say over and over again, basically it's going to come down to healthy, frequent, intentional communication. Absolutely. Beautifully put. Yes. As we know, in just a few days, we're going to be launching the new feature at the Grit and Grace Project online magazine, and it's called Ask Dr. Zoe. Yay. Yay. We are really excited about it. We can't wait. Um, but it, what the purpose is, is for you know our listeners and our readers to submit questions on practical how-to things on family and relationships and life and the things women deal with of Dr. Zoe. And she has been kind enough to say she's going to answer them. So I'm going to ask you one in context of this. What (laughs) if we just talked about discipline? What if the other household, let's say you're married to a man who his ex-wife has made some rules and said, this child's going to be grounded for two weeks. Well, those two weeks happen to be in your custodial time, okay? So they come to your house, and how do you deal with just these simple, practical things like that, Zoe? Yeah, that is such a tough one and an excellent question. And so that goes back to, in a perfect world, you guys need to have a conversation. So you guys need to figure out, first of all, what did the kid do, and why are they grounded? So Honestly, though, as a step parent yourself, you need to make sure that you are very careful not to punish your child at somebody else's house. Mm-hmm. So that's already a mistake that's made because you, you you cannot create rules for other people's homes. But if someone else has done it now for your home, then you need to address it with that step parent. And you guys need to come to an agreement. And so if you guys can talk about, okay, what was it? Maybe you feel that the child should be consequenced. And if the child should be consequenced, then it's fine to continue that consequence over at your house, making sure that you've, you've you know, talked with your kid about that and explained to them why you're doing it here. Um, if you don't feel that it is okay, then that needs to be, like I said, a conversation that you have with the other step parent And you guys need to come together with your spouse and figure out an alternate plan. Now, all of that needs to be done without your child (laughs) being a part of that at all. Mm -hmm. You need to get the facts and find out what happened. And if for some reason you feel that they are punishing your child unfairly, 
then you need to have that conversation with your spouse. And then you need to then together come, come to your child and say, I understand that this happened at, you know, your other parent's house and those are their rules. And so when you're over there, you're going to have to abide by their rules. We do have different rules here and here you may decide you're not going to consequence that. And that needs to be something that you guys have a conversation with already. And the other side already knows that there has to be some type of conclusion, but it's okay to go ahead and have that conversation with your child once you, you know, once you've decided, but those are, I mean, they're sticky situations and you have to always, always try to take the high road. And the first thing to always do is go straight to the parent and communicate. That definitely sounds like a question we would receive on the Ask Dr. Zoe column. Man, that is some really sound advice. Thank you for that. Um, I'm sure there's a mom, a stepmom, maybe even a dad or stepdad listening who's really kind of nodding their head in agreement and, um, you know, kind of getting some questions answered for themselves here. So thank you for that. Is there anything else that comes to mind when you think of struggles um, that a blended family is dealing with that you want to speak to? Yeah. And I talked about this in the article and that is that a lot of times you're expecting the other family, the other, so let's just say you're a woman, you're expecting the other ex to respect you. And what I am saying is that's an unrealistic expectation. Anytime you're trying to change somebody else's behavior, you're going to lose. Oh, that is, that is like profound. I think that needs to be written on a it's wall. Like a little mic drop. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's And we go about expecting this person to respect us and this person to do this thing. And it it even goes with that whole, you know, she grounded my kid. And what you have to do is you have to expect your spouse to respect you. And that's something that you definitely have to demand. But you should not expect anybody else in that equation to respect you. And so you can always go back to yourself and look at what do I need to change? And maybe it's your expectation. If you don't expect her to respect you, then guess what? You're not going to be getting offended all over the place. You're going to recognize that she has her issues and they will sometimes, you know, come towards me, but they're not about me. They're about her. We get into these spats with our spouse, like she didn't do this and she should have done this and you need to go back and tell her this. And that's when you're damaging your marriage, Mm. expecting him to try to make this woman respect you. It's not going to happen. Well, and I think there need to be some house rules like don't ever tell me how she cooked lasagna. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Don't ever tell me how he took out the trash. Okay. Just, you know, leave those conversations behind because you're trying to start something new. Absolutely. You know, I was just talking about an issue like this with a client of mine and, you know, he's really struggling with his wife's jealousy. And so what I said is what you need to do is stop focusing on this other woman and go back to your relationship. Because remember, the whole point of this is you've created a new family. You have a new marriage. And you need to remember that it's all about your new marriage, not about these external people who, yes, are a part of your extended family, but you've got to focus on your marriage. So forget her. Go back to how can I fix this with us? When you bring it back to this is a us issue, it's not a that person issue. You, you, so many things drop off and you can actually answer questions, you know, because his wife was, you know, having all these issues with the ex. And I said, go back to her and say, given all of this, what can I do to make you feel better? And ultimately that just cuts to the chase. And that's what we need to do in our relationship. That's really, really helpful. I think 
just kind of that reminder oftentimes that we really have to go back to the basics, to simple communication, simple respect. Um, mm-hmm. And again, even what you're saying is just often checking our expectations in any relationship is just really, really helpful. Um, here's something that I'm concerned about as a single mom who will one day be dating and hopefully bring somebody new into our family. Um, mm. What about this issue of identity confusion? Whose am I? How do I relate to one parent versus the other? You know, who's my parent? Who is a step? All of those kinds of things. That's an excellent question. And that goes back to top down modeling. Kids can, I mean, we all as humans, we can love so many people and we can have so many people that are family. And what happens is, parents tend to get all caught up in this and then we project it onto our kids and then our kids feel like they have to be really careful about labels and what this means and not hurting. We don't realize as parents, we really don't, how the very little comments that we make, the very uh, little, you know, the body language changes that happen that our kids pick up on, especially when it comes to this parenting issue. So I, I had a, a young woman, 17, in my practice yesterday, and we were. she was talking about her angst being a child of a blended family and how she feels so bad talking about her stepdad, who she also calls dad, because she, she knows her dad gets upset and hurt about it. And the issue isn't her issue. It's her parents' issue that she has to deal with. So her confusion about that would have been eliminated if her parents were okay with it. If they didn't feel like, well, I don't want you calling him dad and I don't want you having, you know, having this kind of relationship. I mean, it all goes back to jealousy, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you can really instill in your child, your heart is big enough to love a lot of people and you can have a daddy and you can have a granddaddy and you can have a stepdad and you can call them whatever in the world you want to call them. And we can have an uncle and we can have a friend. And if they're part of our family and we care about them, it's okay. All love is love. And so if you can instill that in your kid and get rid of your issues about it, then your kids are going to have a lot less identity confusion. So Dr. Zoe, you know, when you're in the position where you're now single for whatever reason and you have a child and you're considering the future of blending families, when do you, um, well, you start dating, let's just put that out that you're already dating. When do you bring your child into this relationship that you may be developing? Um, How many times do you want your child to go through this? Uh, give me kind of a setup. So eyes wide open as they're treading into this new world. What are the steps? Yes. And that is, is another difficult, tough one. So yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that we're talking about it. Um, and it, it is one of those, you know, case by case scenarios. But that being said, it does still go back to how you're presenting it to your kid. So you should be dating without really any knowledge that, uh, you know, your child shouldn't really have any knowledge of any of your dating, just like any of your other friends. You don't need to notify them. They shouldn't be a part of it. You go do your thing and date. And when you get to a point where you're in a relationship and both of you guys have sat down and agreed that you feel that this is a committed relationship and you may be moving towards marriage, that you guys are both in that place. And until you're both there, forget it. Your kids don't need to have anything to do with it. And so when both of you have agreed that you're both there, then that's the time that you definitely want to start introducing your kids. 
And when you introduce your kids, it should be a light thing. It should be a, this is my friend. It should be not, you know, we're thinking about getting married. You don't need to have any kind of, you know, PDA in front of your kids, any of that kind of thing. But just, uh, we're joining families just like you have other families or other friends, I should say. And when you don't put all this pressure on it, like it's a, oh, you have to meet and oh, you have to, you know, get along. Just like, I mean, you have girlfriends who have kids. So you just start involving the kids and stuff, just like you would other girlfriends. Now, when you get to a point where you're actually deciding and wanting to get married, then that's when you got to sit the kids down and you have to talk to them and let them know. And that's when you start regular family meetings from that day forward. And don't expect your kids to be on board. It's okay that they're not. And you need to let them know it's okay that they're not. And you need to validate their feelings. If they're not, they might be excited, which could be a good thing and a bad thing too because the excitement (laughs) crashes once they realize the reality of of some of the situations. But that's when you have to start those regular family uh, meetings as you're moving towards the next step. Now, reality, breakups happen. They do. And when they do, you have to take into consideration your kids' feelings about it. And you have to recognize that just like you're grieving the end of a relationship, your kid is going to be grieving to some extent the end of the relationship. Now, once again, healthiest situation doesn't always happen. That other, you know, the guy that maybe you broke up with can still in some way maintain a relationship with that kid to some extent that might peter out slowly so it doesn't have to be a cut off and your kid feels rejected. Mm -hmm. If it's possible and you two are healthy enough to do that, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. If it's not, that's okay too. And that's part of the teaching with your kids that friendships come and go sometimes. What I love, Dr. Zoe, about what you just said is if you take that process and you're introducing this child to a friend you've already established you care for this person and you like the way that they treat you and the relationship you've built. Now you want to know how they're going to treat your child and what kind of relationship they can build with that child. And if they are doing it as a friend and the child doesn't know it could be more, it kind of gives you an insight to, you know, the whole meal deal that you're (laughs) looking at buying into. Absolutely. And, and the reason why that's so good is because we have female friends that sometimes come and go that we don't think twice about introducing our kids to. And if you come to it from that position, then it doesn't have to be this big thing where your kids are seeing, you know, relationships come and go and come and go. Yeah. Love that. Well, that just probably initiates about 17 other questions (laughs) in the minds of some people who are listening, but that's where, again, the new Ask Dr. Zoe column on the Grit and Grace Project online magazine is going to be so helpful. So I want to real quick just kind of unpack that a little bit so everyone knows where they can find it and how they can begin submitting their questions. So we are launching this new feature on the website, thegritandgraceproject.org. We'll link to the specific um, column right in the show notes. And what we've created is just a simple online form where you can ask any question you have, um, whether it is about blended families, maybe it's a self-worth issue, maybe it's something you're struggling about at work, all the things, right, Dr. Zoe? (laughs) 
Absolutely. Dating, marriage, parenting, all the stuff we deal with as women. Yep. So um, what we've done is we've created an online form. You can go ahead and drop your name and your question there as often as you want. Um, what we love is we've also said, go ahead and give yourself a, you know, a username if you want to keep it anonymous. So if you want to be, you know, asking for a friend, <laughs> you can do that. Um, and Zoe has agreed to graciously work through those questions um, every week addressing one. And I think it's just going to be a really great place for us to continue to find our strength as women and um, connect with other people who are having the same struggles that we are going to face throughout life, but getting answers that can really help. So we want to thank you again for even being willing to do it, but we're so excited to see how it's going to just be another um, great feature at the Grit and Grace Project. So thanks for that, Zoe. Thank you. I'm so excited. And you know, sometimes you just need a question answer. You don't have to necessarily go to therapy or maybe you can figure out, do I need to go to therapy about mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to be able to do this with the Grit and Grace Project. Love it, Dr. Zoe. And thank you for a lot of the answers that you gave us today about blending sure. families, because it is indeed a challenge that so many women find themselves in. Well, friends, this is definitely one of those times where you're going to want to check the show notes for all of the links to the resources you're going to need to navigate this difficult topic. But I want to highlight one that you will find there. And it's an article from Dr. Christina Hansen called Stepmother, the most difficult job in a family. And it is. So we're going to end today's episode with a quote about stepmothers. A healthy stepmother knows that some days she's a stagehand, some days she's the leading lady, and some days she's the audience, and she plays each role with grace and style. Well, I think that's going to do it for another episode of This Grit and Grace Life with our dear friend and frequent guest, Dr. Zoe Shaw. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project. Take a few minutes and head over to iTunes to rate and review the show so more people can find us and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an upcoming episode. If you can think of a friend who could benefit from this episode or the show in general, please be sure to share us with her. And for all the details on today's episode, find the show notes by heading to thegritandgraceproject.org. You can follow us on social so you miss nothing that we're sharing throughout the week on all things living a grit and grace life. We'll catch you on the next one.